finally, finally, we have a firm date. We know precisely when PNC Park will be home to a contending team again. And no, we really don't. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Ben Charrington was out at the general manager's meetings in Carlsbad, California. And... While he was out there, he was interviewed by MLB Network on a bunch of different subjects. The national TV is not all that different than the rest of the national media in that they're really only interested in five or six teams, and the Pirates definitely aren't one of them. So they'll ask even a GM of the Pirates like a bunch of questions about the Yankees, okay? And then... At some point, they'll feel obligated to ask something about that guy's actual team. And so it arises that Charrington is asked when the fan of Pittsburgh can reasonably expect to see real live contention. And this was Charrington's response. I would say we're going to work our tails off to make that as soon as it possibly can be. Um, and... If we do that, then, you know, my, my hope and expectation is that it'll, it'll be sooner than some think. Um, we think we've, again, we think we've done some of the work that we need to do to move closer to that. We need, we have more to do, more work to do for sure. Um, but I think, you know, we get to spring training this year, we're going to, uh, we're going to see a group of players who, um, by and large, have a chance to be part of that uh, going forward. I think that uh, some of some of the tougher decisions that we've made the last couple of years in terms of trading guys, uh, some of that work uh, will shift now towards, you know, building building a group of talent, a group of players that can grow together. So that's exciting as we look forward, and you know, we want to we want to get to more wins as fast as we possibly can, and we do that just by doing our jobs, focusing on our jobs, and doing it well every day. Sooner than some think. One, two, three, four words. That's as close as Charrington's come to acknowledging anything remotely resembling a timeline. Now, not to dump all over the MLB Network interview or anything like that, but Charrington has spoken a similar thing more than once in the past, where he likes to throw in almost this playful intonation to the idea that uh, internally that the Pirates think they're further ahead than we think they are. That it would, you know, maybe build excitement, maybe who knows. I can't imagine that he's the type to be concerned about selling tickets, but there's also a possibility at least that he actually thinks this way that he and Steve Sanders, John Baker, all the guys who are running the operation at 115 Federal on the baseball side believe that this team is closer to contending than we think on the outside. Now, I say this in full acknowledgement that it is an absurd conversation to be having 
in the immediate aftermath of a 101-loss season. Okay, I'm not an idiot here. I, I watched and covered most of those games home and road. I saw it, believe me. But I also feel like there legitimately can't be anybody on the outside who'd have the same feel for the speed with which this could take place. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's the home of Steak on a Stone. It's the home of the city's best sports bar type environment, but in a classy way. Sometimes you hear the terms tavern and bar and you go, oh man, that sounds like dive food or whatever. That is not what North Shore Tavern or the companion venture Mike's Beer Bar right next door are all about. First class establishments owned and operated by a first class individual in Mike Sukic and he has gotten people who are really committed to his brand and what they're building there. Proud, independent business. Check out North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. I'll give you an example of what I mean. A timetable for O'Neill Cruz and Rowanzi Contreras couldn't be more obvious. Even if they hadn't gotten those bonus end-of-the-season promotions and cameo appearances at PNC. Because you know that at the very worst, they're going to be starting next year in AAA. Ideally, they aren't. But at the very, very worst, that's where they'd be. You can look at guys that are lower than that, though, and it becomes more complicated. And that's where you would have to know what's going on on the inside. When they look at, for example, Nick Gonzalez and Leo Piguero, their middle infield in Greensboro, and they say, you know, we think they can be in Pittsburgh by such and such juncture if they check off this many boxes in Altoona, this many boxes in Indianapolis, and by the way, also carry themselves really well in Bradenton as part of spring training. They know that. They're not even going to share that with the players themselves, let alone outsiders like us. But they know that. They know where they at least expect. They don't have to force it, but they know where they expect Gonzalez to be next year and the year after that. Same goes for Peguero. Actually, for everybody, everyone has those. That's part of building and managing a minor league system. You don't have to stick to it. You can back off. More often than not, I'm sure players don't follow that plan religiously in any way because injuries come along, you know, and other bad things can happen, most of them performance-based. But if you look at this player's trajectory to date and you say, Look, he's done all this so far, and it's actually looked kind of easy for him. So maybe he can do this and do that. If they see, to try to nail this down here, that Gonzalez, Piguero, and let's say 
A couple other arms. Doesn't matter who. A couple other arms come through and make a, a pretty nice, healthy, rapid rise through the system. And, and arms can do that because guys can just all of a sudden start throwing strikes and working their way up just by throwing strikes. And if you see that, and there's enough for five legit starters, starting pitchers, you're having a different conversation, man. You know, you just are. This is this is now something else. Because now you're looking around your diamond and you're seeing Brian Reynolds, Brian Hayes, Jacob Stallings, O'Neill Cruz, and you say to yourself, listen, all we got to do is plug two, three holes in the everyday lineup, and, and now we're something. It doesn't have to be some excessive investment either of money or potentially blocking prospects, but it can be just enough where you can kind of dip your toe in the water. When you look back at the 2013 to 15 seasons, and you look around baseball actually at any teams that are low in payroll but compete, if not outright contend through the first two, three months of a season, that's the dipping the toe period. And then they see exactly what it is that they're missing, and they go out and get them. The 2013 to 15 Pirates didn't get enough credit, I think, for some of the moves that they made around the trade deadline. And I am not one to shower Neil Huntington with praise. But those were some really good moves that were made. And it was older guys. It was they were people who were kind of maybe a little bit at the end still expensive, but you could get them just by taking on their contracts. You didn't have to give up a lot in a trade. For me, that's ideal in Pittsburgh because all you all it's costing you is, you know, quote unquote Bob Nutting's money. That's what that's what you had to give up to get Justin Morneau and Aramis Ramirez. A lot of the pitchers that they picked up, a lot of bullpen guys. They were good baseball players who legitimately contributed to the Pirates, made them stronger as the season went along, especially in 2015, the team that went on to win 98 games. That, to an extent, is probably what Charrington has in mind. I can't read his mind. But that was fun to at least get that glimpse, right? When we come back, just one question. Daily Shot of Pirates. Our just one question for the day comes from Kyle Moylan who asks, can the Pirates trade Brian Reynolds and not suffer an almost fatal organizational backlash from the fans? I know they've traded more popular guys, but how do you spin dealing someone with four years of control? My answer to that, Kyle, is that you can't. Further, it's that they won't. What you are seeing, hearing, reading right now is the result of general managers getting together in one place, the national writers, 
and the writers from the biggest cities who actually care about this event because it pertains to their teams. And they're always going to ask questions and talk to people, including agents, about their teams. Well, what are their needs? Well, this team needs a center fielder. Okay, who's available? Well, everyone's available in Pittsburgh, always. So how about that guy? Okay. And then they talk about it. And then it becomes someone else talks about it. Now it feels more legit, even if nothing actually happened, which almost always is the case. I've been told from inside the Pirates that there's no interest whatsoever in trading rounds. Okay, that ha- that's not attached to anything recent. That's something that I've been told through 2021. They fully expect Reynolds to be here. They'd love to have him signed to an extension. I'm not breaking any news here. This isn't anything that I haven't reported. But what ends up happening in these settings is that things take off. And that's kind of what's happened now, most unfortunately, with Reynolds. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. But to answer your question, would they suffer the almost fatal organizational backlash from the fans? To quote your question directly, the answer is yes. And would it be unlike the Andrew McCutcheon trade that brought Reynolds, ironically? The answer is yes, and it would be for the same reason that you cite. No, most fans aren't aware of how years of control work. Most fans that I hear from regarding Reynolds say, boy, I wish they would sign him to an extension, and I play a game back with them, and I say, how would you feel about a four-year extension? They go, oh, that'd be awesome. Like, well, they already have him for four years. Oh, okay, well, that's cool. Well, how about five or six then? So... You're not going to get them on the four years of control, but you are going to get them on the idea and on the very real notion that they've now watched this team completely suck for two years at the Pittsburgh level. Okay? And what they are told and what they understand, and they're right in both cases, is that they're paying that price for a reason. So two years are already in the bank here. And I know that 2020 didn't feel like a full year or whatever, but I'm sorry, it's a year on the calendar, okay? Whether it was a 60-game season or not, it was a year on the calendar. I, just me, am of the belief that this honeymoon period that Charrington and Derek Shelton and everybody else has enjoyed partly because of the acceptance of this plan, but way more so because of the pandemic, is about to hit a wall. If this team isn't significantly better in 2022, this city and even the team's more loyal, diehard we really understand what you're trying to do, fans are going to turn on them. I believe that. I keep saying this, but this is not St. Petersburg, Florida. You can't do the Blake Snell trade in Pittsburgh. You just can't. 
Not if you expect to hold that job for the long term. Not if you expect the stadium to stay standing. So it is different. It is different. Not so much, again, because of something contractual, but because they've just put two years in, the fans here. It's about time things start changing. I appreciate the question, Kyle. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do it again tomorrow.